I want to start with a story. So in November last year, I had to have an operation. And uh, this was a, like a transplant operation. So a lot of tests were le leading up to this operation. They had to see whether I would survive the operation. So they were doing all kinds of lung tests and all these pressure tests and compatibility tests and heart condition tests, like a, like a year of strenuous tests. Blood tests and tissue sampling and DNA matching, all kinds of things. And every time we did this test, and yes, you passed. I'm like, hey, okay. You know, and because and, uh, I'm not that young anymore, you know. And so, so we, so we, uh, and every test, we did the test, it would come back like very good, like 100%. I was getting, hey, actually, the Lord has, Lord has kept me healthy. Thank you, Jesus, you know. But I was starting to feel like, hey, okay, you know. And, and some people would say, okay, not many uh, people would pass this test. Okay, you passed. Okay, wow, you know, because I was never really like an athlete or anything. So, so this goes on. And the, the day, the evening before the operation comes, so I'm in, in the ward there. I've got my own little ward with a beautiful view of the harbor, and I'm just feeling quite proud of myself that here I am. But you know you get humbled as soon as you put the little dress on, eh? You know, that's why they call it ICU, eh? It's because it's, you know? So, and so I'm lying there with this, and now I'm all alone. And, uh, you know, you get checked in, so I'm in, on the bed there alone, and this nurse come in, and she checks my blood pressure. And it's a little bit high. It's like 159 over 100, which, which is not, not that great. So I was, uh-oh, was worried. And she like gives me this eyebrow, you know. She writes some stuff and she goes out. Half an hour later, she comes back again, does the test again. This time it was 179 over 120. And I'm like, oh, no. And she gives me her eyebrow again and she writes some more stuff and she walks out again. And now I'm stressing. I am so stressing because... If my blood pressure is high, you can't do the operation. You, you know, they will just say, no, you can't, which, meet, which will set back the whole process, which is months again of testing. So I went from this self-confident, prideful, like, hey, you know, to I'm either going to die or this thing is going to flop. You know, it's not going to work. And I just sat in the bed. I'm like, there's nothing I can do in myself to make this better, to make this okay right now. You can't control your blood pressure willfully. And I just sat there alone, and I said, Lord, I, I'm sorry for trying to do this in my own strength or thinking that I'm anything useful even. Like, I'm sorry, can you just come and give your peace? And I, my Bible was, was right next to me, luckily, and I, you know, have you ever played Bible roulette? And you open it and you read the scripture. Okay, do not do that. It's not good, okay? Satan can turn a Bible page. But... I knew it was aiming for the New Testament, you know. So I opened, and, and this scripture really jumped out at me. And it was Ephesians 4.16. Um, can you guys throw that one up, please? And it, said, it tells me this. Now, this is, I'm in a hospital, so it's in the medical context. And it says, under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. Just that part, thanks. Under his direction. He's in control. He directs it. If you let him direct it, the whole body will be fitted perfect, perfectly together. And that just gave me peace. I'm like, thank you, Lord, you're speaking to me right there. Like, jumped like Jesus was in the room. And I was, okay. Ten minutes later, the nurse comes back, and it was 120 over 80. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. But it's just amazing how he was just saying again, no, no, it's about me. It's under my direction. And my heart for this congregation is, 
You guys are going to grow. You're getting equipped. You're going to all operate. But let it be under his direction. Can you be directed? Because we can be running around with lots of things, and it won't be under his direction. Let it be under his direction. All right. So I want to ask you a question. You came here this morning. You got up early. Let me check the time. Um, it's cold, but you are here. Now the question is, why did you really come? Why are you here? And you don't have to answer it. There's a lot of things that's really good to be here. I mean, for good worship, good fellowship, good teaching. Well, tonight maybe, but normally good teaching, the scripture, fellowship, uh, maybe even sensing the Holy Spirit. These are all good things, you know, a God encounter, uh, to maybe get an answer from God, whatever it is. Those are all good things. But I want to ask you, how about if every meeting is an opportunity for you to grow in what you are in God and what God has for you and for you guys to grow together and become what God wants this congregation to become. What a mission. Like exciting mission, you know. What, what a mission to do, to do that. To, to come in together, to live out His plans for His church, for this part of His body, for His kingdom. Everything you do the whole week, let it go, how will this affect the kingdom? How will this affect what the Lord has for us? And Sunday, this meeting, should be the coming together of all you do in the week. This shouldn't be the highlight of your Christian week. This should be the team talk for your Christian week, and we live it out there. That's, that's what it's meant to change that mindset. And the, so imagine how, what will this meeting be like if we come in to just get more equipped, more polished, more sharpened, and celebrate together to go out into the week and to be the kingdom out there. Do you come here, and I'm not accusing anybody, do you come here to come to Sunday service and then go home? Or do you come here to be taken somewhere every time? Because we are a family, we fellowship, we're living together, and we're, be ta we're being taken somewhere. Do you know that each of you have a calling? A specific calling. God knows each of you by name. You know those scriptures, fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, he knows the, the hair in your head. Every, you know, some of us have more, more hair, but he knows them. He knows us so well. He knows our buttons. He knows how we grew up. And he wants to equip each of us. And he, he's put us here. You're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. So here's a specific calling for you. Ephesians 1 verse 18. Paul writes, and he says, his wishes that you will understand the wonderful future promised to those he called. You are those he called. So you have a calling and a wonderful future. What a rich and glorious inheritance he's given to his people. So let's go for that inheritance. Let's not just come here. This is not it. It's coming. There's a bigger inheritance. And there's a kingdom to be, to be had. So we each have a role to play. And I know there's some guys here that are working hard. I mean, I see, I want to tell you guys, well done, how the teams work together, everybody playing a part in the prepping. I was here early, and we saw everybody working and praying and serving. Yes, well done, guys. Um, and I love how you use different people in different parts of the meeting. That's equipping of the saints. That's people coming together and working together. So make yourself available to be used like that. It starts there. John 6, verse 1 to 14. I'm not going to read through it. It's the story of the loaves and the fishes. You all know that story, right? And I, I should actually read it properly because often a lot of beautiful things happen when you read Scripture. Just let the Word minister, uh, much better than me speaking. But you know, the, you know the, this part of history where 
there were 15,000 people hungry, and the disciples were thinking meeting, leading, and logistics, and we have a big problem, guys. There's load shedding, or, you know, there's no food. And Jesus was like, you feed them. And this boy comes with his lunch. And he, he could have just sat there with it or behind a rock and eaten it. I think there were others that probably did that. You know? But he went in faith. Yeah. He wasn't prideful about it. He just knew this is what he had. This is in his hands. He can give that. And you all know the story. He brought what he had. He played the part that Jesus wanted him to play. And many others probably didn't. You know, it could have probably been the, the story of the five loaves and the two lamb chops, but it wasn't because that guy had his lamb chops. You know? It didn't appear to be much. Two little fish. Look what Jesus did with it. We might think that what we have is not much. Not worth it. Not significant enough. Let other people go. Let other people do it. Let other people stand up and pray for the people that are sick. It's okay. No, you have something to pray for. If you can speak, if you can think, talk to God in your mind, you can pray for people. Stand up, pray for them. It was beautiful to see everybody standing up and doing that. I feel like I'm speaking to the converted a little bit, but uh, maybe it sticks somewhere. You know, you might think you're insignificant. I always used to say that. Andrew used to preach, and you'd go, you know, don't grasp, don't reach for things. Um, you know, God will raise you up. And it was never my problem. I was n never, I would, you know, it's just not my nature to grasp at things. I was like, you know, you, I'm rather the guy behind the pillar. Or I would do AV, but to hide, not to, not to do AV. By the way, AV is a great ministry. You're literally facilitating worship, you know. Um, so do what you can. I often get this picture of, uh, are we on a cruise ship or in a warship? You know, we're together. Are we just enjoying each other? Or are we on a mission to do something, something for the Lord? If we're at a rugby match, are we in the stands, spectating, seeing and criticizing? Or are we on the field watching the ball, being ready to catch the ball and run and tackle and kick and do whatever you need to do? Because we are supposed to be on the field. We're not supposed to be in the stands. So if you, th if you consider church to be a place where you come to as a service, I hate that word, church service. It's like a car. You come in, car service. You're ready for your service, and the car does nothing. It gets serviced, and then it's okay, it's okay, and it goes again, you know? I my wife's laughing at my... This is not a service. No, this is a celebration. This is a team talk where we get together. We're not yet to receive a service. We're yet to give, to do. I'm talking about parts of the body now. If you're a visitor here and you're coming in, or you know Jesus or not, I'm not talking about you. Once you're in and part of the body and operating, that's, that's the glory of being part of the body. That's what I'm talking about. We all want to stand in front of Jesus one day and have him say, well done. You got it. You did it right. You didn't miss it. We can so easily get into a cycle of just work and having to rest a little bit and then church and this, that treadmill. You know, it becomes life when we do it for the Lord and we do it in the kingdom and he's taking us somewhere. Otherwise, it just becomes a rat race. And it's so easy. The world wants to draw us into that. A healthy church, according to Jesus, is not just one that does good, has a good preach, has large numbers like good worship, 
good admin at Slick. That's not a healthy church. That could just be a club. But one with good leadership, where the leaders take the responsibility of leading each person into what the Lord has for them. That is the leader's job. It's a big job. This team that's leading this congregation, that's a big, serious job. They don't take their job lightly. Because they, they need to go, Lord, what is, what's on your heart for this person? How do we get that person there for each person? That's, that's a huge privilege, but that's a huge responsibility. That's what a church should be like. And if we're all doing the things that God wants, we'll all be going in the same direction. We'll have unity, right? That's a biblical thing. God blesses unity. And it's not just being together. I might be saying a few things that you've heard before, but remember Wilmer Ray? Some of you might remember Wilmer Ray. He used to say this. If you take two cats and you tie them together by the tails, and you hang them over a washing line, they're together, but they're not in unity. <laughs> and often we can do that. We're together here, but we're not in unity. Let's be in unity with the same vision. I mean, there's lots of, lots of other churches out there. Why this one? Why Josh Jen? Nothing special about Josh Jen. The name, nothing. But this church, the heart is to let you be all you can be in terms of God, what God has for you. Not just a place you can visit, get a good preach, do the whole cycle over again. That would be wasting your time. If you agree with that, if you agree that God has a specific plan for you, and that he's going to take you somewhere, we have a calling and inheritance, then three things will happen. Firstly, you wouldn't want to miss a meeting because this is the meeting where we're all getting moved forward again. This is the meeting where God's going to impart stuff, where the Spirit is going to be equipping, and I will be left behind if I miss this meeting. So nobody's going to have to tell you, hey, remember to go to the meeting because you wouldn't want to miss it. It's like a gym session. If you like gymming, I don't, but if you do, you actually, people pay to go visit to a gym. Why? Because they know that there's a development towards something that hopefully they want. So you wouldn't want to miss it. It might affect something that God has for you. you know. Secondly, you would welcome adjustment. If you want to be trained into what the Lord has for you, you would welcome people to speak into your life to help you become that. So if you have leaders that you're accountable to and they... They speak to you about growing or devotion, whatever it may be, shaping direction, more accountability, discipling. You would welcome that because you have the same vision of, no, we're going somewhere as a congregation. And thirdly, you wouldn't deliberately want to do stuff that would inhibit that. You wouldn't want to deliberately sin. You wouldn't want to go against what God has for you because you're on this path. Why would you deliberately jump off it? You would want to stay on it. So those three things would happen. You will become devoted if you have this vision of, no, the Lord is being taking, is taking us somewhere. You wouldn't mess around with, with sin. You wouldn't compromise. You would be devoted. You would be focused on that. I mean, what if the boy with the loaves and fishes just didn't show up? He could have easily not shown up. What if Jesus didn't show up? What if he was in Gethsemane and he's like, uh... I'm over it, this whole crucifixion idea. He could have, why not? He was, he was a man. I don't know. Luckily, I can't answer that question. We need every saint doing what they're supposed to, every part of the body working. Jesus is coming back 
for a pure and spotless bride. Not the pot, not the bride where the arm is not working, you know, or another part of the body is not working. And if, if, if you are not playing your part, that part of the body is just not working. And other parts, like if you're the elbow, the hand depends on you, then the hand won't work either. And so on. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 8. It says this, the one who plants and the one who waters work as a team with the same purpose. So there's this sense of unity, community, team, we have the same purpose. Yes. And you can see in that sentence that there are different roles. And then the next sentence, yet they will be rewarded individually according to their own hard work. So if this congregation is successful in whatever the Lord has for them, great, there's a blessing, you celebrate together. But the Lord will reward you individually on that. Small example, you, you, all, you guys all stood together and you prayed for, for, for breakthrough a few weeks ago, right? So well done, because you, you guys set a goal, you went for it, God honored it, and you can celebrate, yeah, God is so faithful, he came through. Yes, that's awesome, we celebrate that. If some of us just went, oh, I'm too busy, I'm not going to pray. That's fine. You still get the blessing. You still get him full time. But the Lord will reward you individually for what you did in the quiet place for that. So there's, there's this corporate unity thing, but also this individual responsibility. You can't just go with the flow. That's okay for a while. You'll be able to, you can even fake it in Josh Jen, I think. I don't think as leaders we're that sharp that we can normally see that, but the Lord does. Um, so remember to, to push in by yourself. Into, into the quiet place. Doing all right for time. Vian, I was so encouraged by your word that you said about um, those, those stone blocks. You said the stone blocks are being built together. Vian had this word in the prayer meeting about the columns in Greece, those Greek temples, and they're being rebuilt and that there are technical skills um, and where people would need to be like stonemasons to work. And I was reminded of this, of this story about two stonemasons working in a, what do you call, where did they work? Some stonemasonry workshop. And they each, they're each working on a block of granite. And the one was chopping this thing, but he was cursing and shouting and kicking stuff and chopping hard and grunting and sweating. And a, a bystander asked him, what are, you, what are you doing? He's like, no, I'm chopping the stupid block, you know? And he's smashing the thing, and next to him is a guy working on a similar block, and he's worshiping, and he's singing, and he's smiling, and he's, he's, he's just enjoying his work, doing the same work. And the bystander asked that man, what are you doing? He's, he said, I'm building a cathedral, doing the same job, but it's different perspectives. We're building a cathedral, guys. We're not just chopping a block. We're not just praying for someone. We're not just taking them coffee or tea or a meal or loving them or leading a home group. We're building a kingdom. And the Lord doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. How beautiful is that? What a privilege. So you may ask, what is my role? What can I walk into? For every person, it's different. But at the very least, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. It's such a beautiful lacking. If we, if we really make disciples. We will be so busy, but we will look different. So, disciple someone. Disciple two people, man. Not just com leading, facilitating people meeting on a Wednesday. 
but get into re proper relationship with the right people. Let the leaders guide you in that. That's at the very least one of the things each of us can do. We're called to make disciples. It's, one of the, it's high on Jesus' to-do list. One of the last things he asks us to do. The Great Commission. Uh, and there's so many other things, but you do not have to not do something because you're not sure what the Lord has given you in terms of a gifting or ability. At the very least, we can do that kind of thing. Here we go. I want to quickly run through some biblical examples of people that thought that they couldn't be used. I don't know if you've ever done this. This is quite fun. Timothy, he was too young. Paul tells him, don't think you were too young. You're too young. Abraham was too old. You know, he was like 100 when he had his son. Joseph was an abused boy. Think about his life. Moses was a stuttering murderer. I mean, if somebody walks in here now and he's renowned, he's a murderer, doesn't speak well, what are you going to do with him? Uh, okay, some comm leader, this may be, just keep him away from the middle. You know, try and protect the flock. Samson was hard-headed. David, he was just a shepherd. His father forgot about him. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. God used him. Zacchaeus, nobody liked him. Not popular. You might think you're not popular. Nobody was un as unpopular as Zacchaeus. Rahab was a prostitute. Jacob had a limp. And he, he is a deceiver. God uses him. Peter was a coward. Denied Jesus three times. He said things without thinking. Paul, religious. Religious. We meet people sometimes and they in a church flow and it's just religious and you think, there's no talking to that guy. The Jehovah's Witness is knocking on your door. You know? And you think, okay, I better not get into this conversation with them. I bet Paul was more religious than that. Lazarus, who was dead. <laughs> you know? Look what Jesus did. So let's be all in. Let's not be halfway in of, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do one or two things. Let's be all in. Let's not be lukewarm. The Lord doesn't like that. Um, you know that, 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 that scripture in Revelations when he speaks about don't be lukewarm? It often gets used. But it was, for the, it was written to the church in Laodicea. Thank you. You guys on the ball. Eh? Your gift operating there. Um, it was for the church in Laodicea, and they would really understand this because the city of Laodicea at the time always had a water problem. There were some springs, quite a way off, hot springs. So they would canal, canal, channel the water down um, in, in aqueducts. But by the time it got to the city, it would not be so hot anymore. It would be lukewarm. And the city, therefore the water, you know, if you have cold water in the fridge or so, it stays healthy. And if you have hot spring water, bacteria can't grow in the, in the hot water. It's healthy. But anywhere in between, in lukewarm, lukewarmness, bacteria can grow. So by the time the water got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm and dirty and full of bacteria. So they understood lukewarmness as something that's dirty, that infects, and that kills. So when they hear the message, you are lukewarm, they understood it as that. And, and, and God speaks, John speaks... Angel speaks to John exactly about that. Like, you are lukewarm, don't be lukewarm. That's the picture that is there about being lukewarm. Let's, not, let's be all in. Let's, let's, not, let's not be lukewarm. God says he'll spit us out. 
We don't want to be spat out, guys. Let's, let's go for it. So, in closing, we call to impact this area. We call to reach, reach the nations, not just this area. That's why Clay is here. You know, it's, it's, it's a bigger family, you know, it, not just a network. We called into to not just sacring on, you know, we called to walk into maturity, to get somewhere. Look, look, a year, look back a year. Where were you? Where are you now? Where is God taking you? We called to reach the lost, make disciples, and then help every saint become all they can be. The three things that's, that is, that's evident that we belong to Jesus. Three things. There are others, but three, three, one John speaks about three things that is like really serious evidence. Let me make it very clear. And interestingly, it's not speaking in tongues. It's not praying. It's not healing the sick. It's not coming to church. It's three things. The one is love. You love your neighbor. You love each other, not just the people you like. The other one is you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your guarantee of salvation. These are not things that may get you saved. These are things that prove that you're saved. And the, and the third one is obedience. You, it's not okay to just believe. The demons believe. It's, you have to believe and obey. And it says that, go read the book of 1 John. It's sobering in terms of evidence of being saved. Uh, let's be those people. Let's measure ourselves. The word says in Corinthians, I think, Test yourself. Examine yourself. It's a, it's, a, it's a detailed thing. Examine and test that you are in the faith. And that's to believers, not to not believers. It's to believers. Test regularly. So let's be those kind of people. But let's do it under his direction. Let's do it under his direction. So yeah, let's ask, what's the purpose of this congregation? Why am I here? Why do you get out of bed? Because each of us has a role to play. I would love it if as a, as a congregation, as a family, we can maybe consider this and, and commit to this. And, and, and yeah, it's a, it's a thing to be free in. It's exciting. It's like we're in this together and we have a mission. We're not a club. Amen.